everybody on this beautiful Sunday here from Israel. You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And I want to tell you all, let's be frank. I'm a grandmother, and I want to show you how dedicated I am to my work. <laughs> I guess not to be the grandmother, though, that my two-year-old son is having a birthday party right now. And all I did was sing happy birthday to him, and then I ran to the studio. <laughs> to get on the air, to be able to give you all a show and fill you in on the news with my most amazing host, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Today's show, Cluster Bombs and Other Explosive Subjects. Did I say granddaughter? No, grandson, my grandson. Okay. Okay, and uh, so again, the uh, title of the show, Cluster Bombs and Other Explosive Subjects. And our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 90 books. Get that in, 90 books. And 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. Okay, so uh, cluster bombs and other explosive subjects. This is going to be an interesting show. As usual, the Iran-Saudi romance lie. Tell us about that. Okay, uh, as everyone probably probably heard, uh, just a uh, 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 short what was it? A couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago. I don't remember exact date. It doesn't matter. Um, the 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 entire Western media blew up with the news that China had brokered a deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia to renew relations after they had been in a seven-year hiatus of no relations between them then. Oh, everybody was in a tizzy that uh, China had done it, and not the United States. Well, not the United States, because nobody gives a damn about the United States, and, uh, uh, and the United States in their in, uh, um, uh, 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 imitation Department of State. Um, so the Chinese brokered this deal. And the entire Western media was concerned that the, the China broker deal between them, oh, that means that Saudi Arabia is no longer looking at the United States and is no longer subservient after Biden made a point of cursing them several times. Um, oh, and they opened embassies in each, each other's capital and everyone was in a tizzy, except no one really knew what, was, what they were talking about. It was all nonsense. What do you mean? In the demand that China brokered and china uh, uh, really did broker it uh iran demanded that the arab league reopen relations with uh the butcher from baghdad bashar al-assad okay so the arabs did that uh uh the saudis uh, uh twisted arms and everybody did that and he was re readmitted into the arab league blah 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 okay that's that's nice um Saudis demanded that they only actually they only demanded one principle. They didn't demand anything. They demanded one principal item, and that principle was a total ban on Iranian interference in internal Arab affairs. Iran agreed to that, of course, but they lied. So what happened was what's happening right now, actually. Um, Kuwait, as everyone remembers, in 1991 was invaded by Saddam Hussein. Right. 
the Saudis came along and paid the Bush administration many billions of dollars to save Kuwait. That wasn't so much published in the in the U.S. media, as far as I can recall, that the United States actually didn't do things out of the goodness of the heart. They were paid a lot of very good money for that. Many, many tens of billions of dollars. And so the the Americans landed on Saudi soil. They uh, went to war. They freed up Kuwait. They did a good job. Well, a reasonable job. They didn't get rid of Saddam, but okay. Now, the Kuwaitis, like everyone in the Middle East, when you have a debt, you pay your debts. So the Kuwaitis have a debt to Saudi Arabia. So Again, Saudi Arabia paid for their country, basically, to be freed from Saddam Hussein. So there's a, a big gas field, with packs of gas and oil, but it's mostly gas, uh, uh, enormous ga- gas field in Kuwaiti waters off the off the, the coast of Kuwait. It contains so far something in the order of seven trillion cubic meters of gas. That's a, a lot of gas. Um, and so far, it's been it's been untapped because the Kuwaitis don't have the technology or the funding to start to start um, uh, uh, drilling and tapping this gas field. So the Kuwaitis went to Saudi Arabia, this is about a month ago, and they said, okay, um, we want to thank you, but thank you in a real manner for what you did for us. So we're going to give to you 50% of this gas field, even though it's in Kuwaiti waters and not Saudi waters. And that was very nice, except then the Iranians came along. Remember, they promised not to interfere in the internal Arab affairs. The Iranians said, oh, no, 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 no. We own 40% of that. And the Kuwaitis and the Saudis said, what? Why do you own 40% of that? Because we have a larger military and we can take it. So right now, this uh, big uh, deal between the um, uh, uh, Saudis and and Iranians seems to be moving. I'm very careful in my phraseology. I don't want to make an actual prediction, but I would say that right now there's probably a 70% chance that there will be some sort of very nasty military action in the Gulf of, uh, in the, well, the so-called Persian Gulf. Really? I, uh, advancing all the way to a military action? Well, one person who's a heck of a lot smarter than I am in terms of um, uh, um, uh, understanding the, the the Muslim world. Uh, uh, Doctor uh, uh, Adi Khan oh, okay. has predicted that they will go to war. So I'm not. I don't know if they will go to war, but I think that there's a very a very high chance that there will be nasty military action. I don't know how to. I I, I can't quantify it. I can't say. Will, they, will, there, will there be a real war? Oh, I should have mentioned, I forgot to mention, the Saudis and the Kuwaitis offered to go to a, is the word adjudicator? Adjudicator, right? Somebody who finds out about stuff. He, he... No, not finds out, but he, makes, he, sort of, he sort of makes a decision. It's like a judge, but not really, a, not, not in the sense of a trial judge. Uh, it's a I'm, mediator. Mediator, that's that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the, so the Saudis and the Kuwaitis offered to go to an independent mediator. Iran simply refused. 
get a lot of go to the media, and they've already brought in some, of course, British companies to begin drilling there and uh, extracting the gas. You know, interestingly enough, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, and I will address you as Rabbi Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem because you, you hold a rabbinate degree. I believe it says somewhere in the Yalkuchimoni that in the end of days that the king of Aram and the king of Paras, which Paras is Iran today, and Aram are the, the Arab Saudi Arabia, he's going to go to the king of... Uh, what was it? But basically one representing Rome and the United States represents Rome today in that it stemmed from there and it has the same eagle that represents it, the columns of its capital city that, you know, it has the Roman columns, etc. And it says that, that the Arabs basically are going to go to the Americans and they're going to cry that Iran is attacking them and that they have to help them and then they're going to go and help and then there is going I if if you know this you can film the flex this is very uh, I'm just trying to remember um, and then after they're fighting each other they're gonna say what are we fighting each other the real culprit here is Israel and then they're all going to come against Israel and this is supposed to be like the war of Gog and Magog or something I don't know do you are you familiar with that at all I, I'm familiar with the basics there. I don't know that the I don't remember the exact uh, details of it. Gogol Magog is a very complex subject, and it's very difficult for us to take to to take a uh, um, a, a bird's eye view of it today. Mm-hmm. Many um, believe that Gogol Magog was World War II and the Holocaust, right. or at least the beginning of it. Right. That so, comes in three uh, parts. Right. Are there are there uh, prophecies of wars between the Persians and the Arabs? Arabs? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. There have been wars like that, many, many, many wars like that over the centuries. Um, uh, of course, that's the whole the whole idea today. What, what's called the Sunni Shia divide. Remember, the center of Shia Islam is in um, uh, 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 Mesopotamia. That is to say, it began in Kerala, in uh, um, uh, uh, Karbala, pardon me, in Karbala, which is today in part of Iraq, but their the center is actually in Iran, uh, as, at least politically. So th- there's, a, there's a definite basis there, both in, uh, uh, in, in the Tanakh, in the Bible, and in Islam itself. So th- this is not, this is a clear idea. That's right. And, and we should remind our listeners Sunnis. that the Muslims in Saudi Arabia are Sunnis, and the Muslims in uh, Iran are mostly Shiite, and they all often go to war against each other. And so this could be another uh, something weighing in. But we're going to be going in just a minute, no, less than that, in a few seconds, to a break. Our music is coming on. When we get back, did we exhaust this topic yet? We can move on? Yes, we did. Okay. We're going to we're gonna talk about the Dubai Haifa line. Would that connect Israel all the way to the Gulf Arab states? Interesting. How would that work? Where would it go to? What territory? Well, we're going to find out when we get back.
We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I want to say hello to all of the people who are listening in from all over the world. We don't know who you are, but we can see what countries you're listening in from. And let's say hi to everybody in the United States, of course, the Holy Land of Israel, the Netherlands, Nigeria, Brazil, the United Kingdom, Sweden, New Zealand, South Africa, and other places as well. It's great to see you all listening in here on this Sunday to the Tamariano Show with Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. All right, we had discussed about the Iran-Saudi romance lie hmm. okay and now we're going to be talking about something more i sounds positive the dubai haifa line what does that mean well first of all you're right it's extraordinarily positive I and mean, it's, it's a it's one of these things that happens only occasionally unfortunately but it it does good for everybody you know there's no downside here at all there's no negative at all here everybody loves the idea it's just a question of Let's get organized. Okay, let me describe first of all what we're talking about. Um, The idea is to create a um, uh, uh, land-based transport line. I'll try to phrase myself carefully here. From Dubai to the ports in Haifa. Remember, Haifa has two ports, not one port. There are two ports, one of which is owned by China, by a Chinese company. One of which is owned by a... Indian company. So there, there are two ports in Haifa. The reasons why these ports were purchased by the Chinese and by the Indians um, is not because of the enormous market in Israel. The market in Israel obviously is very, very, very small. But because of this line that we're talking about. So if you create a landline, we're talking about lorries, about trucks, about physical uh, 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 trucks to that will go by, via roads from Dubai through Saudi Arabia. Now, pe- before people's uh, uh, ears burn up, there is also an, uh, another alternate plan to, use, to do that, to do the same thing via a rail line. But at the moment, that is not politically or geographically possible because there are no reasonable rail rail networks within the country of Jordan. So we're talking about roads and we're talking about lorries. We're talking about uh, uh, trucks to create a a truck line that will go from Dubai to Haifa, to the ports in Haifa. Um, Why does this matter, first of all? Wait, 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 before you say why it matters, how would that work? I, I'm looking at the map now. They'd have to go through Saudi Arabia, and Israel does not have a peace treaty with Saudi Arabia yet. Excellent point. Excellent okay. point. And then they'd have to Just go through as Jordan. we have flyover rights with Saudi Arabia, and that does not create normalization, there is a political issue of normalization with Saudi Arabia. So just as Saudi Arabia has agreed for the past several years that we have flyover rights of our airplanes, of our commercial flights, we can also create the same structure for uh, 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 trucks, for lorries. Um, Obviously, one of the conditions would be that the drivers could not get out of their trucks or whatever, something like that, so that there would not be any problems. There needs to be problems. There are also some bureaucratic issues here. This is one of them. 
there are other bureaucratic issues. How do you get over a lot of different borders along the way, several different borders along the way, without having to uh, to have uh, 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 stops and, and, and border checks and all these other things. So there are all sorts of bureaucratic issues that need to be uh, solved, out, but yeah. they're all bureaucratic. None of these things are are principles, and none of these things are really difficult Well, they're to solve. bureaucratic and diplomatic, but okay, so let's get to the why. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, China and India are, uh, 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 and the UAE are extraordinarily uh, 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 burning up about this issue because instead of a, uh, um, uh, um, uh, uh, a shipment taking two weeks to go from Mumbai to Europe by the, by the Suez Canal, it'll take two days. Instead of two weeks, two days. The cost will be at least 20% less. And shipping cost is a major issue in everything that people do today. All the infrastructure exists. It's a east-west line. There is no work to be done in terms of infrastructure. As I said, everything exists. Yes, some roads will probably need to be widened or improved or things like that. But that can be done once the thing is started as well. That's not a, that's not a problem. Yes, it'll create more congestion, quote-unquote, on some of the roadways, particularly in the north of Israel. Again, it's a technical problem can, that can easily be solved. This is a, 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 an idea that's being bandied about. It's, 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 it's advancing quickly and well. As I said, the Chinese and the Indians, two of the largest countries in the world, the two largest in terms of population, certainly, and two major Economic powers have each purchased a, a Haifa port and are pushing very hard for this. And, of course, the UAE is as well. And, of course, all of the uh, there, there will be customs duties that will, that will take effect. And this will enrich the, uh, uh, the countries through to which it goes. In other words, Saudi Arabia will get a cut. Israel will get a cut. Uh, Jordan will get a cut, et cetera, et cetera. So this is good for everybody, bad for nobody. Nobody pays a price. Well, there is. I shouldn't quite say that. It might somehow negatively impact the Egyptians a little bit because there might be less traffic through the Suez Canal, but that actually is rather unlikely since the Suez Canal today is so congested that it's getting more and more difficult each year to uh, 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 transport through the canal. It's just hmm. well, over that, that almost sounds like peace. <laughs> Sorry? I'm saying that almost sounds like peace. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, it's, it's one of these things that everybody likes the idea. There's no downside here. It's just a whole set of bureaucratic problems that need to be solved. And it's something that was eminently doable and is, and is hopefully it, it is being done. I mean, everybody, everybody wants this to happen. All right. Well, I hate to explode this lovely conversation, but... We have to go to the topic now of cluster bombs. We talked about something like almost peace just now, but now you want to talk about cluster bombs. So where would you like to start? Well, first of all, let me describe what a cluster bomb is. A cluster bomb is basically, from the outside, it looks like a big bomb or a big artillery shell. It doesn't matter, for instance, how it's delivered. Uh, but inside of this shell is a whole bunch of little bombs, think of them like grenades, like hand grenades or something like that. Except they're not hand, they're grenades. Okay? So you'll have in a cluster bomb anywhere from 50 to 100 individual bomblets. 
is what that's exactly the name, bomblets. And the, 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 the cluster breaks up in the air, and these bomblets uh, uh, are supposed to um, uh, um, uh, spread out as they fall. And basically, it was the, the whole thing was designed to destroy the Viet Cong uh, the, uh, the, the, in the Vietnam War. It failed totally there. It has failed in every place where, where it's been tried. Um, the worst problem with the cluster bombs is that there are always some percentage of them that don't blow up. So you throw out, you, 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 you throw out a bunch of these shells or, or bombs from air France, whatever, and say two or three or four percent don't blow up. Well, who, when do they actually blow up? One of these duds actually go up. Usually when a child picks it up and, he remo- and it removes his hands or his feet. Yeah, it's almost like a but, landmine. It, it's, it's in a sense, it's worse than a landmine because it's not even covered. It's not it's not under the ground at all. Yeah, it's on the ground, and they they really do look like toys. I mean, they actually to to somebody who doesn't know what we're talking about, it actually does look like toys. Remember, I'm a sapper, so I'm, I've seen these things. I know what they look like. They look like balls. They don't look like anything that uh, that a child would be afraid of. There's no reason to be afraid of these things. Now, more than that. Yeah. There is a a very le- uh, tenuous legal basis for Biden's, Biden's decision to send them out. More than 100 countries have signed an international convention to ban them. It's called the Oslo Agreement. Most European countries have banned their use or deployment. The U.S. has not. Um, not only that, but the ones that the Biden uh, uh, Department of Defense is proposing to send to Ukraine are all outdated and old. Now, this is really important because this is a step of desperation, and everybody knows that, even Biden, who's never been, really been very bright to begin with, we all know, um, admitted on a CNN interview just this past week that the United States and Europe are both running out of ammunition. They don't have what to send to Ukraine anymore. So that's where the idea of sending cluster bombs to Ukraine comes from. Basically, it's a really, really dumb idea. You know, I want to add here, when you were saying that kids could easily think it's a toy, uh, maybe it was a couple of years ago, not more than a few years ago, that when the Arabs in Gaza were sending out the fire balloons, the balloons that had uh, an explosive device, uh, uh, like, like a Molotov cocktail, basically, uh, attached to it. And some of them were landing in community areas. They were, they were doing this in order to set our fields on fire. Over the, They couldn't get over the border themselves, so that's what they did. And we had to teach our children something that all kids love are balloons to look at it as a death trap. That if you see a balloon lying on the ground, don't go near it. Don't touch it. Immediately run and tell an adult. And, and that was the reality we had to live in. And perhaps with these cluster bombs, now other people are going to have to do it. You know, Israel's the canary in the coal mine. You don't stop it here. It goes other places as well. It's a little bit even worse than that because when, when the balloons were, go, were going off, well, these were intentionally directed at children to harm children. So that's horrible. I mean, anybody that does that is obviously a, 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 a horrible barbarian, at very least. Okay, hang on. we got to go to a break.
All right, we're back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. And we are talking about a lot of things happening here in the Middle East, and we're going to continue that, but we are going to get to the United States. Don't worry. The next topic is, can Egypt absorb Gaza? Well, it once did, but where would you like to start? Okay, let, let, let's... Um, uh, um put this framework up so that people know what it is we're talking about. The, the United States State Department has this ridiculous concept that they try to propose for decades now that they call the two-state solution. They never really talked about two states. They're, they're really talking about just dismembering and then and, and it's, a, it's a mess. It's a mishmash. It's the the, their idea uh, originally was, well, oh, let's make a Palestinian state and it'll be two states for two peoples. Well, that's nonsense no, because you can't nonsense. have a state that's a bunch of little patches disconnected. You can't okay, have a so state said, oh, that wants well, to see your destruction, we'll Mordechai. Sorry? I said you can't have a state and share a country with uh, uh, with an entity that wants to see your destruction. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go, let, wait a minute. You're, you're jumping ahead. Okay. Wait a minute. All right. So, so, so they said, so the first day they said, okay, well, we'll we, we, we can't have a state that's a, that's a bunch of patchworks. So what are we going to do with uh, Hebron and Gaza? Oh, well, well, we'll chop up Israel because Israel can be chopped up, but, but then we'll have an a, 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 a contiguous Palestinian state. That's blah, 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 blah. All, these, all of these things, all of these ideas are totally unworkable, totally nonsense. So the, the basic idea right now, what's going on in, in actual fact, on the one hand, is there's the concept of the Jordan option, and that is that uh, Jordan will get rid of its moronic kinglet and the Hashemites family who are usurpers in any case and they'll finally have a government that's actually run by Jordanians and then uh, uh, the, the, the Jordanians will in some manner I, I'm not going to get into at the moment the, 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 ge the geography and the, and, and the mechanisms they will somehow absorb uh, all or most of the Arabs that live west of the Jordan River. And most of those will be absorbed by moving to Jordan, moving eastwards, and some in other manners, blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm not going to get into details right now. But then what happens with Gaza? Gaza has about about one and a half to two million people living there. Um, one of the things that Americans are very much not aware of, that the people in Gaza and the people in, for instance, Hebron or Jenin, do not speak the same language. They cannot communicate comfortably. It's a totally different dialect, very nearly incomprehensible to each other. Well, People in Iraq and people in Egypt cannot trivially, trivially communicate with one another. But it's still, it's still easier than, than the, the illegal aliens in the United States who speak Spanish, even though they're that, both Latin that, that, languages. That's not, that's not a relevant it's comment. It's still easier. To do with it. But, but the, the, it's important to remember that the, 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 the State Department is made up of vicious racists. And they think we will tell the Arabs what to do and they're just natives and they will do what we tell them because we're smarter than they are. Well, it doesn't work like that because the Arabs in Gaza do not marry with the Arabs in Hebron. The Arabs in Hebron do not marry with the Arabs from Janine and the Arabs from Janine do not marry with the Arabs from Jerusalem and etc. etc. They're different, totally different entities, tribals. Tribal entities, uh, 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 a different dialect, a different idiolect, 
totally different. Okay, so so what happens with Gaza? Okay, so the basic idea that people are banding about right now, oh, well, Egypt will absorb the people that live in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, and they'll move to Egypt. Well, that's not about to happen. That's not, that's totally impossible from almost every standpoint. First of all, it's impossible geographically. There's a desert between the two. Where, how, they, how are they going to move? It's, 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 it's just nowhere for them to move to. Egypt is one of the most densely populated countries in the world right now, and it's in the midst of a demographic and economic collapse right now. So on the one hand, it has a population which is much too high. We've, we've spoken in the past about the issues of water and the, the water of the Nile. They don't have sufficient water for their population as is. They don't have food for the population as is. They don't have foreign currency to purchase the uh, uh, to import and uh, 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 purchase and import the food that they need. You're going to add two more million people. No sane Egyptian wants that to happen, and the and the Gazans themselves don't want that to happen. Remember, the Gaza Strip is peopled by two totally separate uh, population groups. That is the original Gazans, the original inhabitants of this place, and the refugees that were brought there by the idiotic uh, uh, leftists who created the the the, the Oslo debacle and brought in a bunch of, of 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 mafia terrorists from Tunis, and they don't speak with one another except through the except through a gun barrel, and I'm I, I personally witnessed this, and I don't want to go into that at all. So the idea that uh, Egypt will absorb them, totally impossible, demographically, economically, geographically. Never going to happen. So whatever happens with the so-called uh, Palestinians, whatever happens with the Arabs that live west of the Jordan River, it does not include a solution for the people of Gaza, and that is a major stumbling block for every uh, 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 proposal that's out there on the table right now. Okay, well, we, we all knew this wouldn't work anyway. And it's very nice for some other country to come in and slice up another country and say, this is what you're going to do and this is what's going to bring peace, when it's not going to bring peace. And we always say that the two-state solution really means the final solution because Israel could not survive with a terrorist entity, entity living in its belly. So, well, we're surviving right now with a terrorist entity living in its belly. Ah, but, but we're, not, but, but we're not making them a state. They don't have an well, air force. They don't have a navy. They don't have the things. It's not quite true. They're, they're, they're trying very hard to have all of these things, and we're trying very hard to prevent and, it. But... And on top of that, we aren't living as well because we're having terror attack after terror attack because of these terrorists in our midst. So whatever. Okay. All right. And Wait. again, we're saying terrorists, and that's, that, that, of course, is a correct word. But if we look at it, for instance, from the standpoint of, uh, uh, Western terminology, double quote, uh, air, double air quotes. It's a criminal organization. I mean, this makes the Sicilian mafia look like nice people. All right, I'll I'll uh, I'll let you say that. That's you your know, opinion. They, these are these are these people that that. What is their because, economy? Their because economy at least is, the mafia is, is a business. This is just a killing machine. <laughs> their economy is, is based upon uh, on the drug trade. Uh, on, on 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 the drug trade, and even into South America, they they they're in, heavily involved in the cocaine trade across the, the 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 southern border of the United States. 
This is what this is how Hamas makes its money. And the Hezbollah. And the of North. course, yeah. Hezbollah, Hezbollah is even bigger. And but by the remember, way, folks, Hezbollah pay attention. Is a Shia and Hamas is Sunni. So they compete with one another. Right. But I, I wanted our listeners also to pay attention to the, uh, what's going on in the north of Israel because right now Israel is in a, a very big uh, tension with the Hezbollah on the northern border and people are talking about a possible war breaking out. Well, they won't call it a war. They'll call it an operation. And, uh, and so just keep, keep your, keep your uh, eyes open there. All right, we have another couple of uh, uh, subjects to get to. If you've exhausted okay, this one. Talk, let's talk a little bit about resource management, which okay. is a, a very fascinating subject, actually. All right. The, the Ukraine war, as everybody knows, has changed a lot of things in terms of, of, of the, the so-called global economy. All sorts of things are changing. Well, let me give you an example of things that people aren't really aware of. Everybody knows about wheat. Great. Wheat, barley, etc. Ukraine is one of the, in terms of just dirt, it's one of the most fertile places on the planet. It just has really excellent soil. And it always been that way. I mean, even in World War II, Hitler tried to dig up the dirt from Ukraine and transfer, transfer it into, into Germany to make the German soil more fertile, which was a really stupid idea, but that's okay. <clears throat> so, so everybody knows about the issues of, of, of wheat and barley and etc coming out of sunflower seeds and blah, blah, all these things coming out of Ukraine. Fine. But what else has been, has been affected by this war? Well, the Ukraine has war, has war, war has wiped out 50% of the world's production of neon. Neon is a critical material for semiconductors. Everybody knows about neon lights and they just think of it, it's a word. Neon is an actual gas. It's an elemental gas and it's critical for the semiconductor industry. So the war has already wiped out 50% of the world's production. Russia today controls almost 100% of the rest of the neon production in the world. Okay, so what does that mean? That Las Vegas is going to go dark? <laughs> Nobody gives a damn about Las Vegas I'm or the dark. Everybody cares about semiconductors. That's what drives the world today. Again, neon is a critical material for semiconductors. So-called neon lights is about 1% of, neon, of the use of neon. That's nonsense. Semiconductors... So give an example about I how this will affect, uh, will affect the average Joe. Well, I mean, there's nothing you can do today without semiconductors. Nothing. It's not just your telephone and your, and your, and your laptop and your, and your whatever. This is everything. Internet uh, of things. Everything is driven by a whole set of materials and just as russia now controls the production of neon they also control the production of palladium they also control the production of well, we should say there are more than 20 different materials that russia is at least one of the top three producers in the world if not the controlling producer so all of this talk from the from the western media about boycotting Russia or, or, or sanctioning Russia or all the, it's all nonsense. It's all lies. It's not happening. It cannot happen. It is physically impossible to sanction Russia in any regional manner. <coughs> and that's what's happening. 
That's one of the reasons why Russia throughout this war is actually getting much richer than it ever has been in the past. Because also this, all of the sanctions, I shouldn't say all, most of the sanctions have been a total failure. And their actual result has been that Russia is making more money than it did before the war. Now do you understand why the global elites want to destroy, dismember, and control Russia? It has nothing to do with Putin. It has nothing to do with this clown Zelensky. It has everything to do with natural resources and their control. That's what drives the world. That's what drives this war. It's a war for things. Not anything else. It's all greed. And the entire military industrial complex of the United States is driven by greed. Well, would you wouldn't you put that as not just the United States, the West? Um military industrial complex in the West, that's an excellent question you just asked, is no longer really existent. The the United States the Biden administration has basically succeeded in destroying almost the entire European industrial infrastructure. I would, I'm going to guess or predict or whatever that unless something very, very strange occurs within a decade or two, there will be almost no inf in industrial infrastructure throughout Europe. Europe will be poor. It has no resources. It does not have any children. It doesn't have the dem demographics. All of the countries are demographically dying. There's nothing left in Europe. All that's left in Europe is blood. And on that happy note, <laughs> let's go to, uh, will we see President Kamala? Will we see a President Kamala? This is, I think this is a really fun question. I don't really, <laughs> you know, is it possible that, that Biden will complete his four-year term? It's possible. Is it possible that Biden will run again in 2024? It's possible. Basically, biologically, it's very unlikely. Biden is ill. It's very obvious that he's um, uh, uh, suffering very badly. This is horrible to watch in terms of just any humanity, even a super leftist uh, journal called Atlantic has already published an article with the title, Step Aside Joe. Hmm. So what happens if Biden resigns or is kicked out by, by the 25th Amendment before this one, the, the, the end of his term, um, then we will see a president come out. That's the way the Constitution right now reads, unless both Biden and Kamala are forced to resign at the same time. In which case, it'll be the Speaker of the House, who is now a Republican. Well, how would that happen, that they'd be forced to resign? Well, first of all, this, the, the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment can force a, a president to resign. Well, that would be for the president. What about uh, Kamala? Well, that would be so, some sort of social, quote-unquote, pressure to say, Look, uh, uh, um, whatever your real name is, just 
leave us. Just get out. You are too stupid to be bothered with. I don't know. They'll, they'll, they'll market it as way. You, you we pick. have the first woman president, the first woman president of the United States of America. Yeah. The, but, even, be... but even they, they, even they recognize that she is so unbelievably stupid that she can't get it. I mean, he has the. He has the excuse of being old and senile. Stupid has never stopped someone from being the president. <laughs> well, there's never been a president who cannot, who was not capable of of, 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 of at least a coherent sentence. Like Biden. <laughs> well, Biden, no, Biden can at least read the, um, read the teleprompter. She doesn't even do that well. Well, what can I say? <laughs> Kamala, I mean... Biden has a, like a 38 or 37 percent approval rating, and I can't even imagine who those who those jerks are. Um, Kamala is even less than that. And everybody despises her. She's a joke. She's simply funny. It's sad. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at least if it was, I don't know, if it was Hillary Clinton, then you can at least hate her. You can't even hate. Kamala, she's just she's just dumb. I mean, can you can you despise your rug? A lot of people despise their rugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess with that we'll we'll end it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so interesting topics that we had coming up today. Something to think about. Everyone, again, pay attention on the northern border. I don't know if there's a blackout of news because not much news is coming out about it, but there's a lot of tension going on up there. So let's pray that our leadership here in Israel has the wisdom and the courage to do the right thing. We pray for them all. and pray. We pray for all good people of the world. And thank you all for being with us here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Manachem. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun.